I've been a member of this committee for many years, and I have never seen anything as disgraceful and outrageous and despicable as the last demonstration that just took place about, you know, you're going to have to shut up or I'm going to have you arrested. If we can't get the Capitol Hill police in here immediately, get out of here, you low-life scum. So, Henry, I hope you will, Dr. Kissinger, I hope on behalf of all of the members of this committee on both sides of the aisle, in fact, from all of my colleagues, I'd like to apologize for allowing such uh, disgraceful behavior towards a man who served his country with the greatest distinction. I apologize profusely. John McCain, he is no longer with us. Rest in power. To our beautiful boy, John. Mm -hmm. Yes. I was listening uh, to Meet My Press, or Meet My Press, Meet The Press on the way over here. Um, meet, and meet Nancy Pelosi friend. wants to rename the Hart Senate office building. The, uh, so did Schumer. Senate office building. Schumer dropped that. Schumer dropped the bill, or is going to drop a bill on it. Oh, damn. Yep, to All rename. Right. I forget. It's either... What there's Hart, uh, Russell, Hart and Russell are the and only Dirksen. Oh yeah, and Dirksen, yeah. yeah. So one of those will uh, be named the McCain Senate Office Building relatively yeah. shortly because that's the only thing. Congress and like can it just came out that McCain wants Obama and George W. Bush to give eulogies at his funeral and doesn't want Trump. <laughs> I, yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> that's oh man, that's great. I, Trump yeah. was a yeah. A fucking catty high schooler to him, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> for, no, for no reason. It's like Mean Girls. Really oh, yeah. I mean, it, he wasn't even running against him, you know. Other than, like, McCain's vote to uphold Obamacare. But didn't he make those comments? I could be wrong here. My, you know, a little foggy. Oh, before memory. that. I'm pretty sure he made those comments in, like, a Republican primary <laughs> or something where they're like, well... You know, the renowned Senator McCain wouldn't agree with that po policy, and he's like a known foreign policy expert. And he's like, he's a loser. <laughs> he, he got shot down. He's a loser. <laughs> I like, I like uh, my yeah. war heroes uh, uh, not captured. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, like, objectively fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, I think what it's is, interesting. What a ballsy that, statement. I know. <laughs> it is funny, though, that, I mean, they, not funny, but the fact that they, you know, they're going to try to name this building that way because of, you know, it will represent to people who come to Washington, both new members and new staffers, right? Oh, the God. bipartisan spirit. Mm -hmm. I think that's the idea. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I that's was hearing definitely from the spirit. And yeah, that's definitely the spirit. The well, that's that's the thing is like the I mean, turn on MSNBC right now. They're running like montages of John of McCain. Course. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, they're all doing it. And even like we were just talking about. The fact that, I don't know, you go on Twitter and you'll see a message from, or a tweet from every single, like, sitting Democratic representative, but also aspiring ones, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right. like, pay their respects to John McCain's legacy, which, I don't know, I guess we have divergent attitudes towards that, but it's just like, I a don't little know, bit. <laughs> I see people, like, getting so pissed at them, or, like, just, like... I don't know, like yelling at Bernie, like for having done that too. And it's just like, as if they had any other choice, like, well, I, but to tweet that. So Virgil, Virgil made a good point on Twitter. He said like, 
it after Ocasio Cortez tweeted something out. He was like, "No, you shouldn't do this." And then he like explained his point, saying like, "I get it for Bernie to do it because that's his colleague." But Ocasio Cortez like never met this man. Like that's true. So, Seems like she could have probably just. Let I just it be. think she should have just not said anything personally. Mm-hmm. But um, I get. Well, I mean, I get the whole politics. But she thing probably of it. does. Yeah, in order to get like, like any sort of support from the you know like the her comms director is telling her like yeah, yeah I know you don't want to do, do this but you got to do this so yeah or maybe she even does want to I don't know I hope not. <laughs> But she did say some pretty shitty things about Israel, too. So Yeah, that um, sucked. So I, don't know. I, I still have hope for her, but... I just kind of felt nothing, like, when I got the headline. He already kind of felt dead. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's obviously been absent and undergoing treatment, so it just, like, felt like he was already... He was already... He had already, <laughs> he had already left this realm. Um, so, speaking a little bit about John McCain's legacy... Um, I know personally that I will remember him for the one of the only good things I think he did, which was uh, not destroying Obamacare. Um, but yeah. he did countless of other terrible, right. terrible well, things. I want to weigh in with a like little fun number piece there, too. I mean, Arizona was basically one state, mainly because of uh, just folks retiring there early, but also just the nature of a booming population there, that they took like extreme advantage of the kind of uh, cost cutting that came with, you know, the healthcare services you could get through the ACA in Arizona. Right. And looking at um, a little, you know, target list that was made public by the Center for American Progress, by the way, um, it, you know, Martha McSally in Arizona, her district, <laughs> more... Four Martha times. McSally. They yeah. took Martha per McSally. capita. Four, she got two names. <laughs> four <laughs> times. Four times. Three names. The amount of cuts they would get. The average person there is getting seventy five hundred dollars a year off their health care because of the ACA. Just when you look at the whole, you know, the, the government whole, free letters, dude. I, yeah. It, well, but I wonder who McCain needs to keep voting for him. Right. You know, when he's making that decision too, and that's one thing that when it comes to bipartisan politics, when we talk about voting which way or not, you know, well, saving healthcare. It's, it's, it's great that he did that, but I, you know, so on that, on that vote, I guarantee you he had nothing else in his mind, but his legacy yeah. on that. Cause he was like, I don't want to be remembered as too evil. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I want to have, he some would have been sort. remembered as the only th- Republican to have voted for it. Better, right, yeah. He yeah. probably also had a better idea of how much longer he had. Right. Um, than we did at that time and and for and to his credit he's he's very good with the ca- in front of the camera and yeah you know. he's a, oh he's the a clip of him politician. yeah oh the the one clip is going to endure forever now in america's oh, public he's memory not a, he's of, not an arab of him just yeah saying yeah. that obama he's wasn't an arab. An arab. he's just wrong about everything <laughs> <laughs> he's not an arab he's like a decent man oh yeah he's, like, he's right. a decent man that we and, because and we because arabs aren't decent people and right then we, and then he immediately follows it up with just like we disagree on fundamental issues yeah uh, all right it, but it was yeah that clip is very endearing and he you know totally not on war like, the body language that. it was all yeah it's a perfect plus. with the, the angle of the Absolutely. yeah everything um so yeah that word you know digressing from it'd be John funny McCain. if like sheriff joe arpaio now decided to run for his senate seat oh God. yeah <laughs> is, isn't he is he not i don't know I feel like he might not even be able he's i thought he ran in the yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he, might not even legally he ran in a primary recently yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. i don't know if it was a house seat or a if senate it was seat. or even like a local like state 
It was something I can't okay. I can't recall, but he did run in something, and he was bit. yeah yeah all right yeah, <laughs> fuck Joe Arroyo. Um, so yeah, uh, digressing from uh, the McCain news that's um, you know all over the uh, media right now, um, we are talking about GoFundMe for all Bernie Sanders plan for national health care. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're going to have government-subsidized uh, pools that are going to go straight to your GoFundMe account for all your medical needs. Um, no, but more seriously, we are talking about Medicare for All and single-payer um, and why you as a moral human being in society should uh, do, your, do your due diligence and support this obvious policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you guys want to get into it first? Do you want to do reading series or... I guess the one I want to start off just going annoyingly back to the McCain stuff. Uh, Not really him, no, but more just the like bipartisan centrist spirit, the like sort of the the vibe of the day and talking about the the passage of the Affordable Care Act and the basically Joe Lieberman uh, voting down a public option to be included in that, which, you know, if you talk to, I think, your Hillary Clinton Democrats, um, they like to tell you about the millions of people who now have access, yeah, access, access. to healthcare. They have to pay for, it, but access to healthcare, access. right? So access to even more affordable healthcare in some cases that you wouldn't have even had to, you know, pay for it, it, with the way the program could have been structured using, I believe, payroll taxes. But I think we can get more into the weeds of Medicare for all. Is was a public option built into the Affordable Care Act. Right. Voted down by by a Democrat. By a Democrat. By a Democrat. Um, He's no longer a Democrat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He literally golfs with Trump and is an anti-vaxxer. To give you an idea of his uh, feelings about public policy. And so I think that's just a good sort of background to have in terms of recent history on the expansion of healthcare. Because other than that, I believe it's just been Republicans pushing some version of the Affordable Care Act. That um, it's it's either been that or them pushing like health savings accounts yeah. or tort reform. So yeah. those okay. are their main policy issues, which will not actually decrease spending that much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, they're not they're not large. And health savings accounts systems. don't work. Yeah, but. they're two, very small changes to a system. And what I think we want to talk about today: tort reform, so, which is like the electrifying political issue among pollers yeah, right, right. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yes. I think that's a good transition do you have tort might be the most boring word in the english language yeah what tort tort yeah saying like tort reform immediately like i think turns off 85 percent. i stopped listening (laughs) just now so uh, do you have polling numbers i mean do we want to talk about like the polling of medicare for all yeah or even just a rough idea yeah so this fucking annoying ass article should i i mean do we even want to read it or i don't know just I think we should. All right, all right. Let's just let's dive into the article, and then we'll talk about, um, you know, why we should be doing this. <clears throat> so this is a piece from Politico. Um, you can already probably guess that it's terrible. Uh, entitled uh, "Why Medicare for All Is Playing Poorly in Democratic Primaries" by Paul Demko. Um, so it starts off. Most of the prominent Democrats eyeing 2020 presidential bids, including Senators Kristen Gillibrand of New York. Cory Booker of New Jersey and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts championing the idea of Medicare for all, suggesting it's become almost a litmus test for the party's base. But the notion of government-funded health care has proved a tough sell to, to Democratic voters in swing districts that will determine control of the House. Many Democratic candidates who, who made that a centerpiece of their campaigns in key districts this year lost their primaries, in some cases getting clobbered by rivals who offered vaguer health care plans or backed a more incremental approach. 
Democratic primary voters in battleground districts in Iowa, Texas, Kansas, and New York passed over candidates who emphatically supported single-payer. The problem is from the problem is Medicare for all just isn't one of those litmus tests for Democratic primary voters, said John Azalone of a Democratic pollster whose firm helped defeat a single-payer advocate in an Iowa swing district this year. Voters are smart enough to know that Medicare for all isn't going to happen right now or maybe ever. Uh, I mean, I we, that yeah. line right there yeah. tells you how this journalist feels. It's not not bad either. No, this guy it's is not. A reporter. No, it's not. Yeah, no. I mean, that's. Um, I mean, any thoughts on that? Like, I mean, one. I think it's stupid for the Democrats not to run on single payer. I think it's you know, as as we'll get into the polling that's been recently released, it's an overwhelmingly popular policy um, that would have traction with their base and pick up independents and. Uh, you know chuds so um i don't know just for me like it feels as though especially with the sort of realignment of democratic politics at the national level around the issue of single payer like but because bernie popularized the idea in 2016 and then proposed a bill last year that was co-sponsored by a num a group of Democrats that together have a 63% chance of being the 2020 presidential nominee that like, it just feels like something that's kind of inevitable and that like the momentum is for sure with single payer, if not with like a fully nationalized healthcare model. And that over the next, however many years it takes to implement single payer, there's going to be like, thousands and thousands of articles like these that are written with the sole purpose of casting doubt on the actual popularity of single payer among voters, especially in like what are going to be described as like rural and swing districts. Yes. And I think that that's as if they can't pot, like either wrap their minds around like a detailed proposition for a single payer healthcare system or just won't support like vague notions of a socialized healthcare system, which they will. Absolutely. Well, I agree. I, and uh, I agree mainly also because I think that there's this thought that if you need to win in rural areas or in areas that have been Republican strongholds for some time, let's just say like the U.S. Southeast as well as um, some of your like more farm states and the, or I guess what you would want to call the Rust Belt. The flyover country. Yeah, yeah, fly, exactly. If you're talking about those areas, I'll, all I know is at my day job, I have to do a decent amount of stuff for nonprofits that care about health issues. And they love to do state-by-state state reports on things. And it's always these deep red states where people are suffering the most. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to tell me that where people are suffering and dying at decades younger than in states like a New York or even you know a Maryland or a Virginia, um, I'm talking about your Louisianas, your Mississippis, and your Alabamas, you're going to tell me those voters don't care about health care. I don't I just doesn't make sense to from a human you know, point of view. It doesn't make sense to me that in places that, you know, where you think that voters need to get the most moderate message, they're suffering the most. They, they you know, they're change voters. They're you know, they're people. There are people in some of these districts that vote for Obama and then Trump. And a lot, you know, this is where these places are. And it's. Well, uh, two, two points. Health care is like one of the most personal issues there is in in modern politics. It just is. Mm-hmm. Um, financially and because like you're dealing with your loved one's health or your own health, it's, it's just one of those issues. Second of all, um, 
I mean, I would I would love if he like uh, showed more of who these what these races were in this article, um, because I have a hunch that um, the reason these candidates that sports single payer are getting clobbered is because of D trip, um, you know, putting their thumb on the scale and hey, we're backing this candidate because, you know, uh, they have a bigger Rolodex than you and they can get more daddy's money. So. I mean, that's just my alienate less people by taking a position that is really one that is more focused on the health of your constituents than the pocketbook of your donors, you know. Mm -hmm. So the article continues on just 16 percent of Democrats identified support for a national health care plan as the number one issue in determining their vote, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation survey last month. Uh, I think I looked at the same survey and it definitely did not say that. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Um, yeah, well, so this wasn't last month, but they did a poll in March and where they found that 75% of respondents found Medicare for All favorable, including a high that I've ever seen, which was 64% of Republicans. Yeah. So um, that I think that's an outlier. I don't think 64% of Republicans support Medicare for All. But um, the way they framed the question that is like, would you support a, a public option, basically, is how they framed it. Um, when the 64% of Republicans said they would support government stepping in at some sort to help out with health care expenditures and, and, and costs. And I think the important thing to think about with a government option is there's a difference between a government option that provides a Medicare-like service but is accessible to anyone, um, a Medicare for All type right. program, and um, the a, a conservative government option, which still basically just allows the government to create a health insurance company a la Fannie or Freddie, um, and that company can set benchmarks so that the current uh, you know health insurance system doesn't act like the wild wild west that it is right and so the reason that there's less subprime mortgages um, is not just because of a market crash but because now the largest distributor of mortgage loans Fannie and Freddie are run by the government and they're just not willing to take risk and so as a result they set a benchmark um, that other you know large institutions generally have to follow Right now, there's no one to keep an Aetna or a Blue Cross Blue Shield in check. Um, oh, of course, of course they, not. Yeah. And so even they can get screwed on prices from the private market on things like pharmaceuticals and whatnot. Um, and, you know, even uh, Republicans that are supporting a public option are basically acknowledging that that's really a little bit, you know, devious when it comes to dealing with people's health, uh, just making it that kind of a market. Right. So, uh, again, to reiterate, I, I pretty much think the only way to for the Democrats to, um, you know, have a vision for America and to empower the working class is to run on something like healthcare uh, or Medicare for all, I should say. Um, so we're not going to belabor this article any longer. Just the reason we're talking about Medicare for all um, is because of two recent things that came out. Uh, one was a Mercatus uh, study, which is a, a Coke boy funded institution uh, loosely associated with GMU, but I'm not really sure of the. I mean, yeah, there's uh, economics professors who teach there who are also authors of okay. studies and whatnot. I mean, they've also named their law school after an Antonin Scalia. Antonin Scalia yeah. um, I mean, the university really has made a strong push uh, to, to be a right conservative thought center yeah. um, in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, so there was that uh, study that came out um, and. Um, did you guys see this study at all, the Mercatus one? So I've seen a lot of talk around and about it, um, and I mean, yeah, like the headlines pertaining to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but in terms of actually, you know, opening the PDF, I have not gotten there. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna go read through a study because I have better things to do. But um, 
basically what had happened is the uh, the study pointed out that Medicare for all, and this was it was they framed it super negatively, obviously that Medicare for all would cost thirty two trillion dollars. Uh, they didn't highlight the fact that that would actually save U.S. health expenditures by two trillion um, over the next ten years. So. Is it thirty-two or three point two trillion? Oh, thirty-two. Did I say three point two? Uh, no, you said thirty-two. It just no, thirty-two. So yeah. 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 We already we're already projected to spend thirty-four over the next ten years if we keep the system the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um. So basically, uh, you know, that came out, and then there was this uh, Reuters poll that came out as well, uh, which showed that eighty-four point five percent of Democrats supported Medicare for all. Um, and 51% of Republican knuckle-draggers also supported uh, Medicare for All, um, which averaged out was uh, 70% for the U.S. total public support for Medicare for All, which is the highest I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. So um, the country is definitely moving in this direction. It's it's Our healthcare system is so absurd right now. Um, and I mean, you know... We got to fix it. Yeah, and I think it's also important to try to get at the idea of how we're about to have a midterm election. Um, And in terms of, you know, looking at just the such recent past, just political science tells you, you know, that and even conservative Democratic pollsters will tell you that it looks like it's going to be a Democratic House, you know, and just the makeup of our, you know, federal legislative bodies is going to play a big role in figuring out what policies get made. Because nothing is getting done in this Congress. Oh, absolutely not. And the makeup of the next Congress could look however you want it to look. If you're, I don't want to say however you want it to look, but if you're Democrats, you get a lot of say over how you want it to look. Um, and so I think that it's interesting when we want to, if we want to talk about democratic infighting or whatever, I mean, would you say that there could be some kind of healthcare fix that comes out of a democratic Congress that gets elected? Or do you think that because of what we're talking about, like from this Politico article, that it's just going to be a bunch of like centrists or former vets or whoever that are just not either not going to make healthcare, uh, you know, a mantle of what they're trying on the, you know, put it up there or they, but you know what I'm saying? Like that's an open question. So I think I think uh, we're not getting anything close to a public option until 2020. Okay. You're not going to get it with Trump in office. I, I and personally, I, I think it's going to be hard for the Democrats to take back the House and the Senate. Um, I think they make bigger strides in the House. I, I think the Senate is retained by the Republicans. So do you think they win the House though? I think it's going to be hard for them too. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I, do, I don't know. I, I mean, they have to take back, I think, 43 seats. I think so. uh, the latest polling I've seen is they just overall congressionally have like a seven or eight point lead or something like that. I think that's uh, like Hart, which is the NBC pollsters. But. Well, I'd have to look again, but I don't know. Well, that's beside the point. Um, yeah. th- you know, it's still going to take grassroots energy to push the middle of the party to the left on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um with the leadership currently as it is, and I don't see it going away anytime soon, um, you know, they're still going to keep pushing for, let's just retain Obamacare. Let's protect Obamacare. Let's protect the ACA. They're not like, they're not fighting for anything. They're just fighting against stuff. Yeah. I guess that's what I was asking. Cause I mean, I, I feel like as loud and annoying as the tea party was, they got some concessions, but maybe not, they may you, you know you can say that the t- rhetoric and tone of the republican party 
um, has gone closer in their direction. But I don't think Mark Meadows um, and Jim Jordan and whoever are as happy as they would be with, uh, you know, a president, uh, Rand Paul or someone. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. I think they pretty much align pretty pretty policy wise with trump and well and yeah i guess i guess i feel like like pruitt and and uh cohen like i feel like they have some weird some of those folks some of those they're more folks. they're just more ideologues in yeah, my that's mind what than I'm saying. like yeah. pragmatists like the rest of the republican party exactly but, exactly um i don't know i feel like i don't want to overestimate the role of like a presidential election in determining the ultimate like success of something as substantial as healthcare, but it does seem right now like that the playing ground for the like battle over the future of healthcare is largely going to be happening in the 2020 democratic primaries because it's going to be like, first of all, more Democrats are going to run, which is going to bode better for the prospects of healthcare or single payer healthcare becoming a, like widely supported democratic initiative because in the 2016 presidential primary, you basically had like Bernie versus Hillary and you had like voters face, especially young voters face with the choice of electing uh, someone who was like deeply and immediately committed to passing a single payer healthcare bill immediately versus one who wasn't. And I don't know. Now you're going to have like basically two camps. You're going to have like the, Maybe Sanders, but probably Elizabeth Warren, Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, or Cory Booker, who are all in favor of single payer health care. On paper. On paper, <laughs> versus another camp, which like very well could be constituted by Joe Biden, Cuomo, and Terry McAuliffe, who have all voiced, who like are basically all putting out feelers for like running in the next presidential election. And um, uh, Michael Avenatti <laughs> as well. <laughs> Damn. And Did you see that in Iowa? No. <laughs> uh, he's like he stopped in Iowa to do like pre-campaign stumping. Um, much, and so I don't know. It seems like fortuitous for the Democratic Party's prospects of passing single payer that like support is swelling sort of within the same political moment that the DNC voted to do away with or at least bar superdelegates from pledging support in the first round of primary um ballots did you see that yeah i saw that yeah and so i don't know i also don't want to like i don't know if it's naive to overestimate the like ultimate effects that that'll have on um like progress like truly progressive candidates winning but it will for sure like sort of rehabilitate the dnc's sort of image in the eyes of like young people who felt alienated by the establishment support of Hillary Clinton and its opposition to Bernie Sanders. So I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know, maybe some reason for optimism, like looking forward to 2020. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's, it, it, it bode well for the Democrats to run on something that they're for and they're fighting for a vision for America. Cause I remember when I, I was interning on the Hill the the Dietrich or maybe it was after it, but the Dietrich put out their slogan for the. They were like floating their slogans, and one of them was "We're not them." Yeah, <laughs> like like we're just we're we're not the Republicans, which so ultimately was which the is Democratic has, strategy in twenty sixteen. Right, right, it was it was it was we're not at we're not racist xenophobic uh, 
misogynist or anything. Yeah. So vote for us. Which is Instead great. Of, which, yeah, <laughs> like, good. Like, happy. You shouldn't be. But you should also, like, stand but for it's something, not, it's not, too. But it's not you know, a platform like, that's, like, pregnant with political possibility. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's not It's not going to, like, materially change uh, most people's lives because it's, it has nothing to do with, like, economic empowerment of the working class or anything. Um, I mean, to a certain extent, it does. But, you know, when they, they take – and this is beside the point – or this is, you know, adding on to it. But they do take uh, – you know, when you take corporate donations and everything for your campaigns, it's kind of kind of makes it hard to do that. Um, especially from the health insurance industry when it comes to a, a plan like single payer. And like to like be sure them out of business. And to be sure, like we're not racist would and should have won against we are racist. Right, right. Well yeah, of yeah. course. But like but at it's the not, same at the yeah. same time you also have It's to not one offer that's going to rally alienated voters and citizens around like an otherwise uninspiring and unsubstantial like political platform just saying just saying we're not racist is like yeah great you shouldn't be but like also like how are we gonna like get rid of racism and like a step towards health justice and like an equitable health system would make a huge difference in combating the economic hardships of disenfranchised people Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, yeah so it goes back to what we were what i was sort of saying when it comes to the health of people especially in southern states um that are very conservative um and i mean i think this is not directly at all related to healthcare, but into to enfranchisement is. Uh, I saw they were able to knock down the plan to get rid of seven of the nine polling places in a majority African American district in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, and I mean mm-hmm. the fact that there was an effort to do that in the first place, I think, tells you a lot about the powers that be and how they feel about, enfran- you know, De- democracy. <laughs> yeah, democracy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and and honestly, like in in Georgia, I mean white supremacy you know right like, yeah. i mean i just you know so i mean um i mean there are like so many challenges to getting single payer done but i mean the only thing we can do is really like organize and keep putting pressure on like centrist democrats to come around to get them on paper to support this so when it comes time and they're in office we can hold their feet to the fire i guess uh, <laughs> but you know we're i still think we're a long way away from achieving a, a actual just healthcare system that's that's not totally based on profits mm-hmm. what will we do when there's no longer make a wish kids <laughs> yeah uh, what, what, that's like one of the only good things left on espn so. you know, yeah that's i mean have democrats answered that not to my knowledge. <laughs> I bet they honestly fucking will like, <laughs> like that's the world we're headed towards like uh man anything else gentlemen i don't know i mean i think we've think we covered the main I just points. got an alert there's another mass shooting that happened in jacksonville just now but oh shit how many how many people i don't know but that just happened and now you guys get to hear this reaction happening right now probably shouldn't have even brought it up but see, damn see, that sucks see episode one <laughs> yeah I mean, by the time folks are listening to this the uh, unfortunate details will probably be out and I guess the, the the media engine will start turning and oh, people fuck. will have passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They shot good. up a Madden tournament, if you can believe it. Jesus. Yeah. 
Well, so uh, stay away from Mad. <laughs> Generally, also. And, Jackson, gun, and Jacksonville. Gunshot wounds usually require medical care. Stay away from Madden tournaments in Jacksonville is good, like, just general advice, probably. But. This is such a bleak time to be alive, but let's make it even bleaker and talk about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that will kill us all in, what, 50 years, are we, gu- are we guessing? Well, see, Jacksonville, at least they don't have the red tide there. They're on the East Coast. It's true. So. Right. They get to avoid the toxic algae blooms. <laughs> like, you get like third degree burns in California. Florida, I think as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you should go to Florida without healthcare. No, probably not. But speaking of red algae, when I was on my flight to Havana, um, I did see the red algae that you were talking about. Okay, yeah. It, I mean, that shit fucking. It's been around forever, and it's usually like seven, ten-ish miles wide, and it like kind of floats down the southwest Florida coast. And it usually, like, kills some fish, natural occurrence, not around for a terribly long time, like, like periods of, like, two to six weeks, maybe. But it's been going from June until now in 170 miles of Florida coastline. So literally 10 times the amount it gets. And the, like, local news clips are pretty in- it just incredible of, like, dead manatees and dolphins lining the beaches of southwest Florida. Um and just you know the the environmental impacts of that are not just from naturally occurring algae blooms like we we definitely have a large part to play in why that's 10 times larger um and the fact that jack is seeing it from an airplane doesn't surprise me they happen like around highly populated urban areas where there's a ton of like uh sewer dumping and also agricultural runoff i think yeah i mean the agricultural stuff is also a large part of it comes from lake okeechobee in the middle of the state and that just like leaks out in estuaries oh yeah and it's already like slow moving water and so like those blooms proliferate i think in like stagnant exactly and then they let the the algae i mean they let this nutrient rich water out yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah that is just filled with all the chemicals from the the sugar farms that we subsidize in the middle of the state so it's like we pay to have larger algae blooms as taxpayers um by subsidizing a bunch of these sugar farms that then run off into lake okachoo there could like reasonably probably be another like flint-esque catastrophe in florida like with Flor- a lot of water like wise. potable drinking water exactly yeah. and it's it's yeah it's very so that's one thing that might kill you I mean, yeah. yeah. And again, don't go to Florida without health care. I mean, there's people who are getting sick from the air who live by the beach. Damn. From the red tide this year. Like, it's 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 pretty terrible. I, their governor, I think, wants like $100 million or something so he can just pay for all the small businesses that are about to go broke. Damn. Yeah. What well, happened in China and like, like – hundreds of thousands of people were left without like healthy drinking water and stuff and they had to pay a ton of money to have like bottled water and drinkable water like flown in oh man i mean so nestle good... will make a shit ton of money off and of it's, it woo! and it's a yeah. good thing that, disaster, ca- or disaster thing capitalism that, you know governor disaster uh, uh, the, disaster i said disaster. it will disaster. be a disaster their governor also turned down um obama like wanted to give them a ridiculous amount of money to build a high-speed rail line there and the governor was like, nah, we're good. And his wife happens to sit on the board of a coalition that wants to build a private high-speed rail line. And so right. that's cool, you know? It's like, yeah, Florida. Florida politics, Florida algae. That's why we should sell it back to the Spanish. Florida oranges, mm-hmm. yes. This is a good proposal. Uh, we, the, the, the co-op has been discussing this for a little while. The co-op plan to sell Florida back to Spain. Um. 
they can recoup their losses. Do you have any other uh, environmental news? Uh, or any I, other points for that? Not not particularly strong points other than the fact that while it's terrible that we pollute our oceans, um, we have like democratic politicians who are rallying against straws but are promoting <laughs> a bunch of states like very well could ban yeah like oh, yeah. plastic straws in the but, next like but dominion power wants to you know build pipelines all across southwestern virginia and um you know all the democrats from virginia think that's pretty cool so. Yeah, as opposed, to, I don't know. The straw <laughs> lobby is like not as formidable as <laughs> the fossil fuel industry. The I guess. Straw lobby. Yeah, and but, yeah. this is a good point though. Is that like it does? And I think Naomi Klein had a really nice critique of the uh, article that was published in New York Times Magazine by uh, I think Nathaniel Rich, something Rich, who um, wrote about Richie Rich, right? The um, fact that like the science around climate change has existed for decades it's just that like we as a as as a species as a society um chose to do nothing and her point was like well no like we it's it's not us who have chosen to do anything it's like fossil fuel executives sat in on all of this like the policy meetings uh in which the prospects of catastrophic climate change were discussed and it would have been akin to tobacco companies sitting in on policy meetings about the prospects of banning cigarettes it's like it they there was a concerted effort and there has been in the rhetoric like through which climate politics occur which is that like we're all complicit in this and that we all are involved in the decision not to confront climate change. And it's like, it's not, it's like, it's the, it's the it's lobby. It's really clear like what needs to be done, important. which is to like restructure an economic system around like the reality of the imminent threat of climate change. And it's like, so in the absence of any, movement, well, Zach, we're doing that. We're giving Exxon Mobil a good chunk of change to do R and D on our alternative energy. Yeah. So great. we're like the United States government is already taking care of it. Man. But it's like it makes sense that people and especially legislators who don't want to confront like companies like Exxon or like fossil fuel or petroleum lobbies to turn to things like that are problems that are exist sort of more at the level of the individual where it's like, well, can you imagine yourself? You can't imagine right. yourself not driving your car to work because you because our we live in a system that demands that you do that. Um, and we can't blame you for that, but you can stop using straws because you can right. drink unless you're like a person with a disability. Like you can drink point beverages of, without like fucking straws. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like, where can progress happen? And that's one place that it reasonably could. And so it like makes sense that this is where like all of the sort of energy towards a more sustainable, like environmental politics would happen. And it's like uh, absent any movement to confront um, large scale problem. Yeah, well, exactly. Whole, like this is the kind of shit that we're going to get. The and whole then, thing with the straws is like this tepid, like third wayism, like of not actually addressing the root of the cause of the problem, which it would in turn fix the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like doing these like little bullshit fixes. That yes, yes, I do. Like 
in theory, I agree with that. Yes, we need to stop doing like having a, a lot of plastic and polluting yeah. and shit. It's like yes, porcano sauce, you know? Right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's like we're not going to get there by just fucking banning straws. Like we need to restructure our economy yeah. to make it so like we're operating on renewable resources like, or, and not it's not profit. Or driven. like putting fucking compostable cups in coffee shops and shit. Right. It's like yeah, yeah that's better for sure, but like. Like yeah, you're going to write the same exact article forty years from now. Well, it's like isn't it's like isn't this such a great thing that we're doing and making progress as a species? But like, there's an impending cloud of doom around it's the also, planet, and we're it's we're gonna melt in like fucking fifty years. It's also like I'm not gonna get the science 100 percent right, but really all it takes is like three or four small leaks in your hundreds of miles of like natural gas pipeline. And this is from a congressional research uh, study that I don't know if I still have access to, but I read when I was uh, working on Capitol Hill. And basically the, the, the methane gas that goes into the air on average from that is just dwarfs anyone's carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. Even if you fly uh, on a plane, on like a commercial jet, you know, three times a week and drive an Escalade you're, you're, and, you know, live in a 15-bedroom house, you're still not going to come close to what a small methane leak in a mm-hmm. large pipeline does to the environment. Right. And it's just those kinds of things that, it, it's again, it's terrible that there are straws piling up in, you know, the oceans along with plastic and bottles. Like and, like, murdering turtles. And, and yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not, Which and, turtles are my favorite animal, but, let it be known. But, you know... It doesn't, I don't need, like, my everyday life doesn't have to change for my light switch to be turned on by something that is so much less harmful. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's a point that, like... Or, like, unplug you're making, your toaster when you're not using it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, like, those kinds of things, like, sure, it's practical, but at the end of the day, like, I, my life doesn't have to change to turn that light switch on and off mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't just absolutely but i don't know like you can at least we need to nationalize the energy industry dude i mean it kind of is i mean it's the most heavily regulated like utilities are very heavily regulated we should just like straight up nationalize though (laughs) fuck it at this point u.s power code but i mean the the only way we're changing the energy system like chief executive of exxon became secretary Secretary of state State. so like they pretty much own the government for the next 80 years of like environmental politics or (laughs) <laughs> right yeah like, we're, i mean we're fucked regardless yeah yeah so we're pretty much at least fucked. like laugh as i don't know a culture war like swells around like the uh, plastic straws and stuff i guess yeah i guess the absurdity of it all does make it funny but also at the same time it, it <laughs> there is this impending like, doom like, <laughs> like, like that we're the gonna Mastrangelo face. girl who poses with an ak-47 and a plastic straw right like, yeah, just in, in, to, in, to in own complete seriousness <laughs> like in order to like and, Own the and, lips. and watch that be like you know a coherent political argument from the right. So I guess that's funny. But yeah, well, it's God. This is a depressing episode. We don't have healthcare. It's hard to do one that's our not world's right imploding. Now. Yeah, it's pretty hard to like. I don't know. I don't know how people like have any sense of humor about like what's going on right now. It's just it's ridiculous. But here we are. Yeah. I don't know. If you want to distract yourself, I watched all of One, One Punch Man on Netflix <laughs> yesterday. It's really good. I it's rewatched funny, so I rewatched Entourage it. and just made me want just made me a harder socialist. Like, why do these How? assholes have money? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> oh, I was okay. gonna say. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, yeah. There's no reason 
this dick needs a fucking Maserati. What's your show recommendation, Brenda? Show recommendation. Ooh, that's tough. I'm like or distraction. It's not popular, but I'm rewatch. I mean, it's it's a little too popular, but I'm rewatching The Sopranos. Like, I oh it. fuck yeah, I watched that's it all the way good. through, and I'm close to the end. And just, I mean, some of the little things. We're like the quintessential like some of the little like things mold for there. soprano fanboys yeah guess, absolutely so it is I'm great. Not, it's not particularly original it's, but it's like the best show some ever. of the little shit made. they sneak in there like with so tony, good. i just i love the, those late season tony anti-terrorism vibes yeah um, the like completely reactionary like, <laughs> yeah like, he's reading the newspaper in the morning he like starts feeling sorry for one of the fbi agents who has like colon cancer or yeah. something <laughs> that he or like got caught some neurovirus rather over in like pakistan and he's like poor guy it's like you know, just the way they make you almost like empathize with. Uh, we should we should do an episode on Sopranos. Yeah, where we just I analyze mean, a series. That'd be a good one. I don't know. That's a long-winded way of saying if you haven't watched that show, I suggest you do it. Yeah, Sopranos fucking kicks ass. Yeah. Anyways, ending it in the TV corner. Yeah, we got our culture in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got our culture in. We hit we hit that check check mark. All right, uh, follow like subscribe all that good shit uh i'm jack i'm brendan i'm zach later bye